Hello and welcome today's, to today's roundtable event hosted by Amicus Recruitment. Um, as you're all aware, my name is Jordan Hayward. Um, I'm one of our managing consultants here. Um, fun fact about me, as I've just said, um, previous, well, not previously, always been from the UK, um, but recently relocated to Austin, Texas. I've been here 10 days and just settling in um, to the environment and, and new culture, I suppose. Um, but yeah, quick intros to each and every one of you. Again, you may have had time to connect on LinkedIn and speak anyway, um, but I'd like to just introduce you all um, for the event. Um, so first up, I'd like to introduce Hema. Hema has a wealth of experience within leadership, working at top tech companies like Oracle and HP. Um, Hema has recently transitioned in more into the SME field, working for Be Well Connected Health um, and currently working for Tracer as their senior VP of engineering. Um, so welcome Hema, thank you for, for joining today. Thank you. Um, next up, Chris. Chris works for, I would say, an outstanding health tech company in Babylon. Um, I've known about Babylon for quite a while, um, three or four years ago, I think, or probably even a bit longer. They were a young startup in London, um, and I was always trying to, to poach people from there or, or break into the company. So I really appreciate what uh, Babylon do, and uh, they're a great company. Um, and Chris is a, a director of engineering at the company. So, um, yeah, welcome, Chris. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, Next introduction goes to Esther. Um, Esther transitioned into management about seven years ago, um, at the time working for Carter. Um, and Esther has actually just landed herself a new role at Valon Insurance. So Esther, really appreciate you joining us today because I know, I think is it week two um, of the new job? So it's probably a lot of information to take on board for your new role and then taking the time to speak with us as well. So really do appreciate it and welcome. Thank you. Yes, week two and very excited to be joining Val in mortgage servicing. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, Jaya is my next introduction. Jaya is the senior director of Zen Business. Um, again, I've followed Zen Business quite a lot, especially I assume that this year has been a pretty hectic year for Zen Business, given the mega funding round that you secured next year, uh, not next year, last year, sorry. Um, so yeah, welcome Jaya. How's everything going over at Zen Business? Yeah, it's uh, it's going great. I'm yeah. actually the senior director of engineering for the data team specifically. So I oversee all of data. Perfect. Perfect. Um, well, thank you for joining us today. Um, and then finally, I'd like to introduce Josh. Um, Josh also has a wealth of experience within leadership um, and is currently the director of engineering at a small startup in Austin called Loud Crowd. Um, I actually met Josh last week um, and I have to say Loud Crowd sound like a really, really exciting startup and very intriguing as well. So um, yeah, welcome Josh uh, and thanks for joining. Yep. Thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. Perfect. So um, that's introduction done. Um, so let's dive straight into it. So as you all know, uh, the, the title for today's roundtable was leadership amongst different characters at different experience levels and from different cultures. Um, so I, I want to start off by almost putting you all in a bit of a scenario um, and then the floor is completely open to start with. So if anyone wants to jump in straight away, then feel free to do so. But scenario kind of is um, you, you step into a new role or maybe you inherit um, a new team, whether that be through an acquisition or a merger. 
Um, I want to understand what, what are the first steps you take in order to understand your team, um, both from an individual perspective, but also from an outcome in terms of meeting business goals as well. Um, so I'll open it up to, to the floor and whoever wants to kick start with that one. I can, um, I, I just um, went through this hypothetical situation. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so um, I, I, I can start with that. The, um, so I, I just joined uh, Valen uh, Mortgage Servicing, new, new role, new team. And one thing that I very much wanted to do, you know, was lead with curiosity. So I definitely go in asking, you know, a lot of questions open mind and, and just try to discover things um, through asking. I'm also really big on building trust, building rapport. And so making sure to have one-on-ones, not just with direct reports, but with stakeholders and, and with as many people as possible to start building you know, that trust, especially because I'll be remote. So start building um, the layers of trust there. And then, um, to, to go back to like leading with curiosity, like taking a pulse of the team, you know, sending out engagement surveys and, and really getting a feel for, you know, what are the top problems? You know, I'm not here to solve things immediately. I'm here to listen. And so that is um, definitely been my approach. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Um, I like the leading with curiosity, um, new, new environment, new new team, new work culture, you have to ask those questions and understand how each individual likes to work and how what the, the stakeholders' expectations are as well. So, yeah, I, I love that. Hema, I saw you unmute yourself. Did you have anything to add or any different opinions to that? Um, very similar sentiment um, to what Esther um, said. Um, another thing that has uh, really helped me um, transition into um, new companies and leadership roles is go with the mindset of not wanting to change anything, right? Listen, understand, um, and most importantly, you know, be vocal about and celebrate the things that they have been doing well and also get a real understanding of what the challenges are and pay attention to what they want as change um, and also involve them in the process of any change and um, so that they are a key stakeholder in the change itself because the change is predominantly for them um, because the change is already you, right? <laughs> That's a big change, but then also recognize that um, um, change is something that they want and how they want it and you know involve them in that process. Um, so that has helped in addition to what Esther has uh, said. Yeah, that, that's great. And, and Chris, I saw you've raised your hand. Yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of add on both to what Hema and Esther both said. Um, to make that a little bit more tactical, I go in with specific questions. So um, a question might be, you know, what are our biggest opportunities? What do you think, that, what is impacting your ability to deliver? Who are your biggest stakeholders? What's the most important thing you're working on? And I basically have uh, like five to six questions that I ask everyone I meet uh, when taking on a new team. Um, and then I present that data back to the team. Like these are the themes 
that I heard from you. This is what I'm going to, there's, and I do this as a, in a group setting. And this is where I think we should focus our attention. Are we aligned? So kind of going back to what Hema was saying, bringing people along for the journey, like these are the learnings I grabbed. This is the deduction I have. This is the, the thing I think is the next path forward as we kind of move to action and want to make sure that they are bought into it. So. Yeah. No, that that's great. Do you, are these are these questions you say everyone is that both stakeholders and individuals within the team that you're you're leading and managing? Is it? Yes, uh, yes, um, on both accounts. Yeah, I, I also ask like you know who are our primary stakeholders from the team members to make sure that they're aligned. So it's about making sure that everyone understands what the current priorities are, making sure everyone understands who the customers are. And if there is misalignment, then kind of diving into that and figuring out where to go with, from there with the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Um, and Josh, how about yourself? How do you typically approach understanding your team and the individuals and the stakeholders? Yeah, I'd say um, one one thing I like to approach it with is is really a sense of of yes, there are are hurdles to be to be overcome, but it um, really establish that that togetherness as a team and, and let the let the specifically the direct reports but let them know that you're here for them um that that the reason you're even even in this conversation is that you're here to support them and you want to hear what's going well with them what's not going well with them um and really establish that this is not a a i'm you know coming in to tell you to do things this is it's we are coming together as a team um, and I've worked on, uh, in, at least where I've been, it's, I've had the luxury of small teams. Um, but with small teams, it's, it's extremely important that everyone has the vision. Um, there's there's no momentum without everyone being going the same direction. Um, and and so that I would say that that uh, that togetherness is is an extremely important thing to establish early on. Yeah. No, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, if you don't all have the aligned and same vision, then yeah, it's not going to end well, essentially, or, or progress well. So completely agree. Um, and how about yourself, Jaya? I was going to say, everyone went before me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, kind of the, I'm kind of the same. So for me, the relationships is the probably the biggest one. It's the first thing I focus on. I joke with my team, like the first channel I made when I kind of got into the role was like data feelings. because so I was like, this is the most important channel you know, talking about our feeling, like talking about ourselves, right, as people. And then I made like the the technical, like, you know, div data internal, et cetera. So um, the relationships are, I think, the most important. And that togetherness, like making sure, I know in the past, like we've acquired you know, companies and like, how do you integrate new folks? And I think it's very important, like when a new company is coming in, that you do integrate them and you, you know, have the remote hangouts and the remote happy hours. We use gather.town. We love gather.town. I highly recommend it if you if you haven't uh, heard of it or used it, but that's, we have, I think almost like once a week, at least one of the teams in my kind of space, they'll have their informal hangouts in there. Sometimes they'll even have meetings in there. Right. It's a really good, great space. Okay, brilliant. And 
I agree. It's like it's all making sure you get to know someone on a personal level before anything happens with the vision of the team and, and the work they're doing. Jaya, how, how do you go about getting on that personal level with someone? Is it in the form of one to one meetings? Do you do it more in a team setting where you come together as a group? Yeah, it is one to one. You got to have the one on ones um, early on. You know, the questions I think Chris we may have been trained similarly. I think we used to work together <laughs> before, um, but asking folks, yeah, how they're doing like as people, right? Cause it's like, yeah, how is work? Yes, that's one thing, but like, how are, how are they doing? Um, and, you know, identifying, you know, what's working, what's not working. Like if you could change one thing, what would you change? And asking that actually every week, also asking, um, you know, what's one part of your job that you hate <laughs> to, to see, like, you know, that sometimes is like an easier way to pull out the problems than, than yeah. to say, hey, what do you think should change? Like, let's like reframe it. And that's, that's easier to answer. But um, yeah, the, I guess I'm, so I'm actually such a fan of, I guess, building relationships that, so at our company, we use uh, a tool called Donut and it pairs people up and, and has them, you know, spend 15 minutes together. So our company grew really, really rapidly. And so now in like the data division, we have data donuts pairing up, you know, people randomly each week and we do that manually. So, and just kind of making sure that, you know, people are connecting with each other because mm -hmm. in this remote culture, like we don't have an office, we don't have a place to just, you know, get to know people by walking by. So we have to be even more intentional. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the 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 donut tool as well. Uh, I love the idea of pairing people together because um, yeah, maybe yeah, there's a lot of people in teams that, that don't get the opportunity or, or choose not choose not to, but don't really get to know each other on that personal level. Um, so that that's brilliant. Um, would anyone do it differently? Would anybody maybe bring everyone together in more of a group setting first and then have those one to ones? Are we, are we still talking about like when you're first onboarding the team or just yeah yeah so when you're first stepping into that new position um like would would you would you personally maybe sit down with each individual one-to-one -one first or would you maybe bring them together in more of a group setting historically i've, I've always done it first one-on-one -on -one and then bringing the team together um the primary reason for that is to make sure people on they get an opportunity to talk to you directly in case there's something um, you know, sensitive or urgent that they need to speak to you about, uh, as well as just giving them that one-on-one FaceTime, which I think is really, really important in building that relationship, um, and then coming together as a team. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, that, that, that's great. I, I was actually reading um, a book recently, I, I don't know whether any of you have read it yourselves, but it's called The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhu. Um, and she talks about um, implementing, well, she, she says that there's three key, she calls them the three P's uh, that every manager should focus on, and that's people, process, um, and uh, purpose, sorry. So, we've just kind of covered off like the people side of things. How do you then take it that next step and start understanding what the purpose of the team is um, and implementing that process to achieve the, the, the team goals and outcomes? Hema, maybe have you got any ideas? <laughs> yes, I think the first step um, is to um, convey the purpose, right? Um, or extract the purpose. Um, 
or you may want to call that as motivation and um, keep keep that as the forefront um, in terms of the higher purpose. And then um, uh, Chris mentioned that, you know, doing one-on-one first and then later on with, with the team. I think in my case, that works when it's a smaller team, but when you have a large team that you're inheriting, then you kind of go do that in parallel, you know, um, having team meetings as meeting with the team um, as well as, you know, one-on-one. So during that, that goes to the process of, you know, how you want to, you know, roll out um, things or how you want to capture um, information and, and things like that. Um, from a people perspective, um, my philosophy has always been people first. Uh, which means you play to their strengths. Um, and this also goes into that discovery phase of figuring out, you know, what they are motivated about, who they are as a person outside of work, you know, what motivates them, what are they passionate about and things like that, knowing a lot more about them as a person and them in a group dynamic setting um, also helps um, with a people first um, initiative. From a process perspective, um, there are multiple directions that you would want to um, address this by. One is process for the day-to-day efficient delivery, right? So that's more of a software development process or if it's an engineering company, it's a manufacturing process and and things like that. So those become really a lot more um, structural and mechanical. Um, Then there is you know, process from a HR perspective, people operations perspective, you know, what are the things that you as a company and the department are doing for the well-being and the success of your team? Um, this goes back to benefits, you know, um, we have a um, engineering value called uh, individual well-being is a collective responsibility. So it's not like one person responsible for themselves, but it's the team responsible for, you know, each other. Um, so what environment are you providing, you know, um, to foster that well-being? Um, second, make, making sure that your um, people, HR processes for well-being of your team is actually implemented uh, and it's just not in paper, right? So that's another thing that people pay attention to. And um, so you want to walk your talk um, on on that um, front as well. And then as part of processes, we also have policies, right, which are really non-negotiable items, you know, disrespect, you know, security, um, breachment, and things like that. that. So those come under policies, and you want to have process around, you know, how you want to deal with, you know, um, um, situations that are not right. Um, so from a process, there are multiple angles. Um, as an engineering leader, um, you collaborate with your counterpart in the people operations to bring the best um, for your team to succeed. So I'll stop there. I talked quite a bit. So no, no, that's brilliant. I love, I love the insight. And I, yeah, I probably from a, from my perspective, I hadn't really thought into that much depth around like you you relying on like your HR teams and other cross functional teams and counterparts. So uh, no, absolutely love that. Um, Jay, I, I've seen you. You've raised your hand there. 
Yeah, we we are really good at raising hands at Zen Business because yeah, we're remote, so we're always like my turn next, and we can see who's in order. Um, you, know, you said something, Hema, that reminded me. You said you know finding people's motivations. Um, I'm always telling kind of the managers on my team, I'm like, I want to find everyone's superpower. Like everyone's here for a reason, you know. And if someone's here and they don't care. You know, usually we don't try to hire people who don't care, but I feel like if someone doesn't care, that's the only thing I can't solve. I can't make somebody care, but if people care and they're not doing well, it's like, we got to go figure out what is their superpower? What is, you know, is it the right problem, right type of problem, you know, environment, whatever it is, but you know, let's, let's take that time. Cause then when you do find it, you're like, they just blossom, you know, it's just, it's great to see that. Um, and then the process one, I just had a quick statement because like I joined the company. I was a very, very early employee. I think I'm like a 21 in the system. Um, and now we're at like 550. It's huge. And I've learned that the process changes, I would say quarterly, right? Like as you grow, you're like, okay, those sets of meetings don't make sense anymore. <laughs> new sets of meetings, new sets of, you know, updates time. Let's so it's just, uh, it's interesting, like process, we have to be very, very agile to make sure that we can kind of evaluate and then change it and, and be able to, you know, be effective at the next stage of our yeah. growth. No, that, that's great. Um, and yeah, like processes are always going to change uh, quarter on quarter, probably week on week sometimes as well. Um, so I understand that. Chris, I see, see you raise your hand as well. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to touch on two things. Um, one of the things that I think we've mentioned is when you're onboarding the team, making sure you understand everyone's roles and responsibilities. And if those aren't clearly defined, like moving to define those, I think that's really a mark of a, a healthy team. And when teams don't have that, it, it re they really do suffer. The other was a suggestion that um, I've done now uh, with three separate teams. It's been really helping when you're trying to move to building that team culture and under people, understanding people's motivations and understanding them as, as individuals, excuse me, <clears throat> is we do what's called an about me presentation where the team member presents only what they want other team members to know about themselves, like you know where they grew up, where they're from, hobbies, their background. And it's been really great for breaking down walls between like I'm on board on teams that were not in a good you know dynamic at the time and that really helped each other see everyone as people and understanding their perspective and a little bit about their background um, one of my favorite exercises to do with teams and it's just very rewarding no I love that um do, do you do it in front of everyone so does everyone do you present in front of the whole team Yes, uh, they basically just create a slide deck. It usually includes a lot of pictures, people growing up, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I have one, a very embarrassing picture of me with really thick glasses and big hair. So uh, <laughs> I, I like to include those. Yeah, perfect. No, I love that. And you, you mentioned the understanding people's roles and responsibilities. So that's probably more more on like the, the professional and work side of things rather than personal, I assume. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and it, often people have assumptions about what someone should be doing or what they expect someone to do. And if it's not clearly mapped out, um, that's where the friction is happening, right? They're, and they're just, usually there's not a good, healthy sense of feedback in a team when there's that kind of dynamic. 
And so just kind of laying it out, okay, this is what we should expect someone in this particular role. This is what we should be giving them feedback on. Um, and having that laid out makes it easier to do that. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Josh, what about you? You've obviously, you mentioned earlier, making sure everyone's aligned with the vision and, and what needs to be done. Um, you've obviously understood people from a, a personal sense. How do you then go about understanding people's roles and responsibilities within that certain team? Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking through process here. And, and in my opinion of the three Ps, it's, it's definitely my least favorite. Uh, I would say it is that I, I, people first and then purpose. Um, and then those two really help to define process. And, and, and I, I like to approach it, um, especially in the, in the startup world, it's, it's wherever you can get rid of extra process is, is a, a generally a, a gain. Um, process comes in when there's, when there's inefficiency or when there's, there's recirculation of, of things that, that keep happening. Um, and so you, you pro the process is almost a necessity to just smooth out the road when you realize that you keep going in circles, right? Um, and so I, I, process itself is, is great when, when applied right. Um, and, and, but I'm, I'm always one to, to be looking at how can we remove it? How can, what can we remove? What, what can, what was there for a time to what Jay has said, uh, process changes over time. What was there for a time and can, and is no longer relevant. Um, and so I think that's extremely important. And in generally in my mind, um, to, to what Emma was saying, in my mind, I see process as in the, a lot of the project planning and a lot of the um, the day-to-day the -day, uh, software development work. Um, obviously, yeah, the policies and, and the HR processes are, are a little bit out of our hands. Um, but, uh, and so those, I, I'm not calling those bad. Those, those are fine. Those are, are, are what we're doing. Um, but the, uh, the ones that I'm always trying to look to, to cut down are, are the ones in, that are actually in me and my team itself, the ones that we've made or we've built over time. Yeah, so. no, that, that, that's great. Um, I'm loving the hand raising, by the way. I think, Jay, you, you raised your hand again. Yeah, no, I just love the, uh, the process thing that you said, because I feel the same way. My team knows I am like, not anti-process, but I really, <laughs> if I make a process, that means like it's gotten so bad that I have to make a process around it. Like this is getting out of control. Everyone's doing kind of their own version of this and like, okay, this now needs a process. But yeah, it's, it's the benefit of working in a smaller company. Yeah. And Esther, you, you've raised your hand. Yes, yes. On the theme of what uh, both uh, Jaya and Josh have said about, um, about startups and processes, um, things do change rapidly. So like being new to a team, you know, it's always important, like, well, why does this exist? Why do we do things this way? And then also making sure that the team understands and that we're all aligned on like the reason why something exists because it's going to change, um, everything always changes. So if, if something's not accomplishing its original goal, you know, change the process. The process should help us get our job done, not hinder us. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And it's something you probably have to analyze constantly um, as new projects come in and, and new business outcomes come in as well. So um, no, I love all of that. So um, Esther, I'll start with you on this one. 
given that you've just uh, started at your, your new position, um, obviously we've discussed getting to know people on a personal level. You understand how each individual likes to work from a professional sense, where people's strengths and weaknesses are. How do you then go sit back and reflect and think about how you go adapting your management style, firstly for the team in general, but then for each individual in your team? Uh, do you reflect on each conversation you've had um, or, or is it maybe something different? I absolutely reflect on every conversation. And that's actually been a growth area for myself as a manager is to realize that everybody is unique. Everybody has their motivations. Everybody has their experience, both at the company and at prior companies. And to really be able to know, you know, for each person, you know, what, what, what is their experience? What is their perception? What are their goals? And what do they need out of me? And I'll oftentimes just ask people, what, what, do, you, what do you need out of me? How can I be most valuable to you? Um, be, because I do like to highly tailor my management style and also what I'm bringing to the table. If somebody's looking to grow technically, how can I put them in touch with those opportunities? If someone's looking to grow more on the product side, how do I put them in touch with those opportunities? So definitely very much tuning to the individual and really digesting everything I've heard in the one-on-one -on -one and, and iterating with them. Because my first impression is rarely 100% correct. And so like constant iteration, constant feedback. Yeah. Absolutely. And is it like an open door policy that you have with that feedback from your, your um, well, people that you lead and obviously stakeholders as well? Um, or do you tend to keep it quite structured and, and set up meetings? You know, for j just um, to, to, to scale, it, it oftentimes is helpful to set up meetings, set up recurring one-on-ones. I always like to really document and, and I love that balance huge on documentation too, so that we can revisit things, we can assign action items. Um, so in that sense, it's structured, but it's also open door, like everybody. And that's why it's important to just know people and build rapport. Everybody knows that they should feel free to give me feedback. And then, you know, I'm also free to give others feedback. Um, just in that sort of like transparent culture, it, it hopefully is baked into the organization and it's definitely baked into this organization that the transparency is a value. And, and so with, with that, yes, it is open door. And then sometimes like having more structure just helps these things scale. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Even just from like a recruitment sense, I think it's important to have that open door policy where, yeah, people in your team can openly give feedback or voice concerns or opinions of how we should be doing things maybe um, or bringing new ideas to the table. But as well, I think it's important to have those um, in place meetings and structured meetings um, to, to hash things out, basically. So, um, Josh, what about yourself? How, how would you um, go about adapting your management style to, to each individual within your team and, and stakeholders as well? or not management, but yeah, relationships. Um, one area I've noticed I've had to do this recently is, is just in the, the, the area of praise. Um, and, and I've actually, I, I've worked with some employees that, that do not like being called out even for something good. Um, some of them just do not want to hear their name uh, spoken in front of other people. Um, and, and so that, that's just an area where I, it, I had to learn and adjust and, and, 
and realize, no, this person needs that that one-on-one praise, that that specific, maybe it's a note, maybe it's uh, during during one-on-one calls or or take them out for coffee and 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 thank them for the the things that they've been doing. Um, and, and but then again, other people love it, right? Other people say that's great. You said thank you to me personally, but no one else in the company knew that I did that, right? And they want that that kind of shout out. And so that I mean that kind of gets back to the the very first thing we were talking about, which is you got to know your people. You got to know the the team that you're on and and understand who it is that that wants what and and what is the motivators what are the expectations they have um and and play to that right mm-hmm. so that's that's really how you have to adjust your style i would say no absolutely i think in um like that's the same for recruitment as well we we celebrate our our small wins and obviously we celebrate our big wins in the form of sales as well and things like that so but some people hate the limelight of getting a big round of applause if they make a sale and some people absolutely love it. So I, I completely agree with that and, and understand where you're coming from there. Um, Jo, how about yourself? So I actually had a question for the team. Can I ask questions? Okay. Of course so you can. I, yeah, I was going to share mine, but I'd also love to hear from everyone like on specific ways they do tailor to their team. So um, thank you, Josh, for like that specific example. So for me, I have found that there are some folks who need deadlines, hard deadlines, some folks who need hard time boxes because they'll like overdo it. Like, hey, this, I only need you to spend 30 minutes on this. I'm asking you to do something. This is like the level of precision. It's 30 minutes or it's like a day, you know? So I found that that's helpful. And, um, oh shoot, I forgot the other one. Anyway. That was one. I guess other people can <laughs> provide ones. Yeah, absolutely. D- does anybody else have any examples? Or I'll open it up. Eva? Um, well, I, sorry. Oh, Chris. Sorry. Do you want to go first, Hannah? Oh, I'm sure. Um, to Jay's point, um, that I do agree that pretty much, you know, falls into the bucket of knowing your um, team and their personalities and um, and you have to adapt your management style um, to be directive um, in these situations, you know. Um, and in some situations, um, I would say when there is a timeline um, that is affecting the business, then you are a lot more, you know, um, in a micromanagerial situation because you really want to, you know, um, get that success um, for your business. And at other times, um, you just go into more, you know, supporting mode, right? Um, these are all um, things that are not time sensitive and them straying away um, to do um, other things is, actually a benefit because then you're really giving them that thinking time to be creative and and things like that so really um situational um leadership helps your team but for you as a leader it's a lot of you know mental work (laughs) um and constantly switching um between you know different styles um and i think my belief is as as a leader um 
you being more flexible helps the team be focused and less distracted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I agree with that. And, and Chris, you were about to jump in as well. Yeah, um, I think you, Emma, you used the phrase I was going to use, which is situational leadership. Uh, I believe there's even a framework called situational leadership, too. Um, one of the things that's really important to do when engaging with your team is constantly resetting expectations. So you may have like a really strong engineer who 99% of the time can knock it out of the park and doesn't need your help, but you put them in a specific context and they do. And so often what I do when I'm like passing off projects, I'm like, okay, here's the deadline, uh, here's the context, reset those expectations. What else do you need from me? You wanna be more involved, you wanna be less involved, like you got this bro kind of thing, or um, do you need some additional support and the, or do you need like leadership coverage because you know, you're being tasked with other things and you need me to get those off your plate. Just doing that constant check-in and resetting those expectations and asking for that feedback, I have found being really helpful for setting people up for success and also keeping the relationship really healthy. Yeah, that's great. Do, do you do that at the beginning of, say, a sprint, for example, or do you do that throughout? Um, and I suppose how often do you check in? Because I appreciate you don't want to seem like you're micromanaging or, or suffocating anyone. How, how do you set like time frames as to when you, you, you check in? For, for me, it varies a bit. So like day to day, I don't, you know, what can I have that initial conversation about, okay, what do you expect from me as a leader? Um, and then I kind of use that as my default. When I see things either um, kind of going astray, so like someone like on a task and it seems to be going wrong, I'll check in and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? What else do you need from me? Or it's one of those high, uh, high profile projects where, you know, we need them to deliver, but we want to make sure that they're set up for success and they make sure that they have what they need. Are they stressed out? Do they need someone backing them up? What else do they need? Um, those are really when I kind of reset expectations. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's always a fine line is so you don't want to suffocate people and come across micromanaging, but at the same time, you, you want to have these check-ins to not only make sure things are, are ticking along and, and moving down the process, but also, um, to ensure people are happy, um, and feel supported as well. So, um, no, I completely get that. In my opinion. Uh, sorry, I spoke over you, but over communication, I think when it comes to setting expectations is best to make sure everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, that almost brings me on a, quite nicely to a next point I want to cover. And this is something we've probably all spoken about for at least two, three years now, and that's remote working and remote teams. Um, it's not going away. Conversations aren't going to go away about it either. And I think it's uh, just the new norm now. But whether you've um, moved to completely like fully remote since COVID happened or even before, um, again, I'll open this up to whoever wants to jump in first, but what, what would you say has been the most challenging thing about managing and leading teams um, that are remote first? I can go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jay, yeah, ahead. Yeah hand up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go after you. Um, I think the hardest thing is not being present with each other. Um, and when I don't think any amount of technology 
um, replaces that. Um, so I think that that's the challenge. We do a lot of things to make it better. Um, Chris pointed out over communicate. Um, that's one way um, that you know we um, <laughs> we make it better. Um, the second one is um, there is this prevalent feeling of being left out because you don't see people, you know, you don't see the non-verbal, non-physical cues and things like that. So we try our best to maintain a central source of truth, um, documentation, meeting notes, you know, recording, whatever, um, oversharing, um, if, um, and that, that helps uh, a little bit. And also making yourself available you know, um, saying that, hey, you can reach me anytime. Don't worry about my calendar being, you know, fully booked and things like that. I'm always there um, for, for any conversation. So um, that, that helps. Also having activities, um, donuts. Somebody mentioned we also use donuts. So that's, that's another one. Um, the teams themselves gather every week or every other week and they play games have lunch together um and things like that and um we also have you know um uh, off sites where people come during holiday time to to gather so a lot of things and it's a lot of effort um but it does pay back because people are comfortable being remote they have the flexibility they that they need um in their lives so it's basically a small price to pay for a win-win situation. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I knew from from different sector. I'm in recruitment. It's very different to software and engineering. But when I was working fully remote, it's um, it, it was just so challenging because you, you bounce off each other's ideas that are in the office. You hear conversations going on in the background, and when, when you haven't got that around you, it doesn't like halt your learning, but it can potentially slow it down um and that's what we found slightly as well so um no I, I agree with what you're saying there um esther i see you've got your hand raised there and then we'll go to jay if that's okay or jay you can go first because i know you were going to say something prior yeah or jay i can go um <laughs> yeah so it's been for me really tough to go fully remote and our company has no has no office. Um, three things I've learned. So we use Slack. I don't know if everybody uses Slack. We use Slack a lot. And I have found that there are some people and I'm, we're, I think we're all engineering. So maybe you all have had this experience, but, you know, engineers like to be very to the point, you know, brief, and sometimes when I see, you know, only five words, I'm like, are they mad? Are they yelling? How, like, how did they mean this thing? So there was like this one team member. It's like, every time they said something, I was like, are they upset? And so I actually talked to them in person and I was like, you might want to add some like emojis to your message just so people don't think like you're upset. And they didn't even realize it. They're like, oh, I didn't want to have like extra words and, you know, make this like a big essay. So I was like, so I don't know, that was like a, fun learning. So now when people do use like very few words, I'm like, is this just how you type, you know, you, you type because you're trying to be succinct of like add some emojis to like make it not sound like you're 
you're yelling. It's kind of the joke. Only a few words makes it sound like, sounds like a yell. Um, the other thing is in our Slack channels, we've had, uh, so we use Google Meet and not Zoom, Google Meet. So we actually have like office, like an office so that this Slack channel for, you know, for like data science team, they can go and jump into that Google Meet. It's at the top. It's like, you know, just a one room and, you know, it's, it's saved. And so people can go in there and kind of, you know, hang out or ask questions like, hey, let's go jump into the, you know, jump into the office and, and do this. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention around Slack is, you know, with Slack threads, when there's like a back and forth that's more than, I don't know, three or four, you know, messages, I was like, this needs to be an actual conversation. This cannot be a, if <laughs> I've seen some like hundred message Slack thread, it's like, this should have just been a call. We should have just spent 10 minutes talking to each other, you know, because it's like, oh, no, I didn't mean that. No, no, you misunderstood. Me. It's like, we should still be allowed to use like our voice, right? And not just live in Slack. No, absolutely. And I agree. <laughs> I completely agree with uh, you saying like two, three word answers. I get that even if my family give me a two or three word answer and I know who they are. Um, yeah, they just seem angry or mad at the world or, and they're taking it all out on you. So I completely understand that. Um, it's difficult to read people through a screen, isn't it? So, um, Chris, it's like talking to a teenager. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, Esther, you raise your hand. Yes, I, I agree with everything Jaya said about Slack. I intentionally call out that um, you know Slack is very ambiguous when people say things, and I always encourage people to meet because so many things can be misinterpreted. Um, so yeah, hands down to that. I wanted to add, like, I know that there's, you know, a, a general thinking that with uh, back in the old days in offices, like there were just spontaneous conversations and ideas flowing around. But I, I see remote in some ways as being more inclusive because for every conversation that was in real life, somebody inevitably, you know, was left out of that by just not being in that office, not being in that circle of friends. And I, I actually find like having things documented and publicly accessible in Slack allows for everyone to be included in conversation. So that is one, you know, it positive, I, I think, with having a remote friendly or remote first um, culture. No, I love that. Um, yeah, just thinking about, again, my own personal experience that like we use, uh, we don't use Slack, we use Microsoft Teams, but we have um, an entire company Teams chat, which we share news about the market or things that have worked that day or maybe a small win that they've had so people can take that on board where, yeah, like you said, Esther, that might not happen in, in person because it may just be a conversation that you have within small groups or people that you sit sat within earshot of. So, um, no, I, I agree with that. Um, Chris, what about yourself? Yeah, um, one, I've noticed that you have to be very intentional about driving collaboration. So uh, we have mobbing sessions multiple times a week where we bring the team together, knowledge sharing and, and, and pairing. And, and that's another thing, um, you know, on certain projects we're saying like, this is a really great one to pair on. It'd be great to like level someone up who doesn't know this part of the code base, who doesn't know this part of the architecture. So we make that part of our planning and uh, as part of our story gathering, like, okay, we're going to take on this story. Um, let's see who, who could level up here. 
Um, the other piece of it, I just kind of uh, tagging on to uh, what Esther was saying. The really positive thing about this is, um, you know, my team's actually spread out across um, the UK and here in the US. So I'm getting to work with people from all over the world simultaneously and pairing on things. And what I love about that is they approach problems differently. They see things that I wouldn't have seen or they would they just approach it in a completely different manner because of a different background. So as, as difficult as it can be having so many people outside of an office, it's also not all bad, right? We get, we're forced to work with each other um, spread globally. And I think uh, I'm a better engineer for it and a, a better leader. No, that's great. I um, hadn't really thought about it like that. Um, but yeah, I suppose different cultures can bring different mindsets and different thought processes. Um, so yeah, that, that's brilliant. Josh, I, I saw you raise your hand a second ago. Um, how, how, what challenges have you faced or what's worked well for you in a remote environment? Oh, I was just belaboring the point on Slack. Um, and so that's why I lowered really my hand and knew if it was worth it. But since you called me out, um, I, I was going to bring up the point that I, I've really pushed in, in our company while we are still a, a 25 person company um, to try to keep Slack channels, one, to keep the, the conversations to the channels rather than DMs whenever possible. Um, and two, to try to keep the different team channels public. Um, and, and, and it seems odd. What, why would development need to know what's going on in sales? Um, but it really does help foster that culture of, of hey, there's, they're talking about something in the sales channel. And, and I have the ability to go read it. I don't need to. It's not part of my daily job. But it is that kind of one team culture of, of that I can understand some of the problems they're dealing with. And, and that therefore, I understand when they're coming to us and asking us, please build this feature, um, I at least have some background where they're coming from. And, and that it extends to all the different departments and they can look in and see what are the things we're dealing with. If, if, if they can understand that our database is, is way overloaded, you know, maybe we need to really do need to put time into the, uh, reordering that and making the database stronger. Um, maybe we don't need to do the, the tiny little feature that, that they seem to think is super important. So, that's all just to say that um, the, the openness that, the, that Esther was bringing up of, of that bringing everyone into the conversations if they want to be um, really, really is an advantage. Um, that was why. Yeah, no, that, that's brilliant. Um, and yeah, we, we have like, like you said, separating, we've got separate channels, but people have visibility over them. We have different ones for like different technologies we recruit for, um, but people can, can contribute wherever really. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. Chris, um, you've raised your hand. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to add one, uh, one thought to this. One thing is you start growing, you need to start about your communication strategy and thinking about your um, signal to noise ratio. Well, right. I completely agree with the idea that anyone should be able to see and we should be transparent. Um, it doesn't negate the need to have clear, concise communication with the organization, especially as it grows, because most people won't have context. So being very deliberate about that, I think is essential. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah, we, we have designated the difference between chatter channels and uh, and actual like communicational channels um, for that very purpose. You know, these are the where you should actually care what's being said here. The rest of this is chatter, it's, it's the noise, it is the overhearing the office 
um, teams working together. Mm-hmm. So, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm getting a bit conscious of time, which is frustrating because I think this conversation could go on a lot longer. Um, this is why I want to get back to doing in-person events in Austin, which we will be soon. So, so don't worry, but I, I don't want to keep up too much of everyone's time. So just want to kind of wrap things up um, and I'll go around to each individual here. But if there was one piece of advice you could give someone stepping into management or a leadership role or even uh, a peer that's already in a management or leadership position about how you go approaching in, like leading individuals and teams from different backgrounds and different experience levels what would that piece of advice be um, and Chris I'll start with yourself oh man I thought I was going to have some time um, <laughs> you were just top of the list on the right so I'm going to work my <laughs> way down I'm not going to disclose who's next <laughs> um the first thing that came to mind is don't stop learning. Um, start identifying your areas of weakness uh, as a leader, um, whether it be technical, architectural, or even business savvy. Um, I've read product books. I've read, you know, um, uh, like negotiation books and all that. Everything I found that was applicable to my role where I felt like I was deficient um, and really just make sure you are very intentional about that learning. Yep. Perfect. Love that. Esther, how about yourself? All right. And that was great advice, uh, Chris. I 100% agree with that. Um, So one thing is, you know, to lead with empathy, really see it from other people's points of view, see it from stakeholders' points of view, see it from, you know, direct reports and everybody. I I think, you know, it sounds so simple, step into their shoes, but I've really been more intentional about that. And, you know, it, it's just astounding the self-reflection you will get from that. So definitely step into their shoes. How are you solving their problems and, and what's their perspective on things? Yeah. No, I love that too. Brilliant one. Um, Hema, how about yourself? Yeah, I was going to say growth mindset, but Josh already mentioned that and empathy, of course, is there. Um the one thing that I would say in addition to what I've heard already is to have respect for diversity of thought when you are dealing with multiple cultures, you know, um, backgrounds um, that that goes a long way because everybody's culture is different. They are conditioned differently. So having respect um, for that um, takes you a long way. Yeah, no, perfect. Really like that as well especially when you're getting to know people on a personal level. And yeah, like you said, there's so many people, different people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different experience levels. So yeah, hundred percent agree with that. Um, and Jaya, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm trying to find the ones that hasn't been uh, brought up already. <laughs> this is kind of close to, to Chris's, but coming from the data engineering space, for new managers, I think it's understanding the business because you know so much of what gets you to management as a individual contributor is how good you are at the technical side, right? And so it, kind of shifting over to, to management, to leadership, like you kind of have to like look in a different direction. You're like, wait, there's, there's a business, like we're actually solving problems for the business. You know, the business needs to make money. We have to make impact. And I think it's just a, it just, you know, better for people to 
can I have that connection, you know, in, in mind as they're as they're leading their teams? Because I think that will help kind of with the prioritization and and uh, yeah, just how they see the work. Yeah. So rather than just seeing it from like an engineering perspective, overlooking it as more from the business side of things and a bit more from like a bird's eye point of view, I suppose, way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you so much. And then Josh, you, you drew the short straw for being bottom of the list. So uh, what, what would you say? Um, I, I would coach them to... Uh, to visibly experiment, um, to, to tell their team that they are, they're, they're making a decision to go a certain direction with something, but that this is an experiment. This is, this is why I'm going this direction. But especially if they're new in leadership, you know, everybody's going to know they're new in leadership. Um, taking that, that, that ownership into saying, hey, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to try and we're going to do it together. Um, and if it doesn't work, we'll pivot, we'll change, we'll adjust. Um, but just having that approach to things rather than ha having to expect that they have the answer and they, they know the direction they're going, um, rather coach them to take that approach of let's experiment on this together. Um, and I think that creates a much better team environment. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So almost leaning on the people that they're leading um, and, and the strengths yeah. within that team as well. Um, no, that, that's yeah. great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for those insights. As I said, I'm like it's three o'clock already and time's flown. Um, I could talk a lot longer on this topic um, and yeah, a bit got this over already. Um, but I really do appreciate everyone for participating. Um, stay tuned for, for further roundtable events. I'll always keep you in the loop. If you want to join again, feel free to join. Um, hopefully soon we'll be doing these in person. Everyone's going to be in the Austin area. So um, it will be good to, to put some, um, well, yeah, meet face to face eventually. So uh, uh, thank you again all so much for your time. I hope you have a great end to the week, great weekend. Um, and I'll speak to you all soon. Thank, thank you. So much. This is great. Thanks Bye. for staying up. Thank you. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye.